0: Hello to the Mumbitious. This podcast is for women unapologetically blending motherhood and ambition. I'm Kerry Kwan, the co-founder of Mums & Co. We are the movement Upskilling and Connecting Business-Owning Mothers, because you can harmonize your ambition, livelihood, and well-being. Joining me each week will be our community manager, Lucy Kippist, with special guests, We'll delve into how you can create a world where women don't have to choose between growing a business while raising a family. Let's get into the practical tips and inspirational stories now. We acknowledge and pay our respect to the traditional custodians of the lands and waters of New South Wales, where we record this podcast, and all Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and waters of New South Wales and their continuing cultural, spiritual customs and practices. Women in rural Australia make up 30% of the business-owning women demographic, and today's guest is a stellar example of their ambition in action. Vanessa Bell describes herself as a global innovator, voice for women, and entrepreneur. She is also one of the only women in the world with a major land holding more than twice the size of Paris. Based on a cattle property in New South Wales, Vanessa is on a mission to make Forever Fashion from a traceable, ethically processed yarn, we are really delighted to welcome her to Mumbition. Hey, Vanessa! Oh, hello, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Now, Vanessa, we're passionate about telling women's stories, and you have a fabulous one. We would love to invite you to share yours.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. Well, in a nutshell, um, I grew up in Sydney. And I had a really great childhood, you know, spent my my time fishing and and sailing. And then at the tender age of 15, I was approached to be a model. And um, this was completely sort of foreign to my my world. And I had a, a Polaroid taken of me in the back streets of King's Cross with a makeup artist and photographer. And I took that Polaroid into Harper's Bazaar. I was booked immediately and so my first job was for Harper's Bazaar and my second job was for Vogue and then my career took off. So naturally my parents and I were both quite keen for me to stay at school so I finished my my high school certificate and then um, my career really took off. So I was incredibly fortunate. Um, I worked for clients such as Armani and Valentino and Dior and Comme des Garcons and Anne Klein and, and then, you know, did amazing shoots. Um, all over the world and, and runway collections, um, and then closer to home, worked for, for clients such as Carla Zampatti and Patty and Country Roads. So, yeah, it's been it's been a journey, and I think uh, really, you know, I got back to to being in Sydney. My father is a, a fellow chartered accountant, and he said to me, you know, when are you going to get a real job? You need to come home. And I thought that I actually had a job, but anyway, I um, came back home, ended up in finance ended up issuing performance-based bonds for the civil engineering market. So that was kind of a diversion yet again from fashion and then worked in the the wine business advertising and then did a a major stint in media. So in amongst all of that, I uh, met my now gorgeous husband. Didn't see that one coming. Never thought for a second that I'd end up marrying an Australian farmer, but um, that's what happened. And then uh, we had a beautiful boy and I remember thinking, um, out of need that I really wanted to I was looking for something to keep him really warm at night because we were living south of Goulburn which is a very cold climate and so my mother handed me this absolutely gorgeous merino baby blanket that was knitted by my great-grandmother back in 1940 and so I I, I just couldn't believe how beautiful it was and it was it was felted by wear but I thought wow this is amazing and at the same time, I remember looking out the kitchen window and seeing my husband um, driving quite a, a big mob of sheep up the driveway, thinking, "Good gracious, what am I going to do here?" And you know, like how am I going to combine all of my city skills with living here? And it just dawned on me that no one was actually making these blankets. So I decided to put a notice in the local gunning newsletter. And um, literally, you know, overnight had an instant knitting team and we started working on prototypes and and basically the entire business was born. But the genesis of that was really inspired by my great-grandmother's beautiful knitting. And I suppose as far as that to where we are now, I feel it's been very much a business built on love and longevity, a business that's encompassed nurturing talent for women that really do feel invisible. I think many women over the age of 50 feel like they're no longer valid. And you know it's been wonderful to draw on the expertise and the knowledge of these women that are aged from 50 through to 90 to be able to create these outstanding, really bespoke um, family heirloom pieces. So you know from there the business has really evolved. and I'm really excited. It's taken a moment, but um, actually this week I've just launched our new website. And we are now looking to um, sell in our, our beautiful range of baby blankets into very high-end stores as luxury items in the USA, the UK and Japan. And, and I have positioned the brand as a, as a luxury um, product because I think it's really important. These blankets take between three to four months to make. and you know, I think it's I'd also like to really be able to empower my knitting team and give them you know the the value of the of what they're putting in their their time and energy to create these amazing pieces. So it's also like any great love affair, my my love of merino stemmed from me being on on the runways. So you know if you look back to designers such as Armani, for example, they've always used fine merino to be able to pull together incredible collections because of its versatility and its ability to drape and so on and so forth. So as it stands now, that love affair has expanded for me because I'm looking to work with a very experienced knitwear designer out of Italy um, to bring together my first range of of jumpers. So that's, you know, it's all about the business expanding.
0: Wow. um, What an amazing journey so far. And I'm reminded that Someone once told me that you almost can have seven careers in your lifetime, and you can definitely see how each of those careers, from you know runway uh, modeling to you know the farm, you know all these. Whilst Dad has you know finance background, questioned you know at times. I think all those experiences have brought you to where you are now, and it's just this huge entrepreneurial spirit that I see. Um, And you've recognised this gap. You've recognised this problem and something that you're passionate about. And there's so much purpose. So um, what an amazing story. Thanks for sharing.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So, Vanessa, um, as Carrie said, the whole story that you just shared there is phenomenal. And you've certainly enjoyed, for want of a better word, a varied working life. But so what is it that you most love about the moment in this stage, being a business owning woman, running the business from
1: the farm as you are? Sure, Lucy. Um, I think for me, it's really about the opportunity of bringing an idea to life from inception right through to a really beautiful, tangible product. And I'm quite a sensory like I really thrive around things um, from a sensory perspective. And there's something incredibly satisfying about being. In my shearing shed, penning up with my sheep, and seeing you know that incredible smell of the lanolin and and their wonderful personalities, and seeing how you can value add that fleece um, to be able to go you know right through to seeing what it looks like in a really high end luxury product. So the journey of design, the connection to community, I think really all of these things I really enjoy. It's a privilege to create these family heirloom pieces.
0: How are you actually factoring, say, risk into your journey? So uh,
1: I started the business in 2017, so we really enjoyed a tremendous run. And, you know, I, I suppose with every business, there's always risks. I definitely err on the side of big, so really thinking big, really having strategy map. In fact, I actually draw trees. So I will draw, draw a tree trunk and branches and because so, I'm quite visual, so I'd like to be able to see what that tree will look like, understanding that that tree needs a solid base and, and foundations and good soil. So, you know, I really think it's important to have a great legal team, have a really good accountancy team behind you, have a, a business plan. But that to me, you know, I, I kind of, I know that I need that, but it's its to be able to mitigate risk, obviously, you need all of those things. But As it stands now, my small business is expanding into an entire design team, and, you know, with that comes project timelines and financial controlling and, you know, the need for a consistent cash flow so that you're able to have a very smooth path to market. And in terms of my cattle business, that's seen me really leverage my existing assets to buy a huge slice of Australian dirt, which I feel really proud of and and not from an ego perspective, but because I think it's, you know, it's really important that particularly Philip and I have a very unusual entrepreneurial approach. I can never say the word entrepreneurial (laughs) approach to farming. And, you know, I think risk is really necessary to achieve success. So sometimes it can be really stressful managing every element, but I'm really grateful that Philip and I are hundred percent a team you know we're a really solid team we we run all the aspects of our business past each other um in fact you know i'm in the process of heading up a new carbon part of the business so philip is all about his cattle that's what he wants to do so you know when you think about the average farm and and what we're able to produce you know, I think it's quite it's quite a good skill set that we've got my business skills from the city and his skills from, from the bush and together we kind of come together and work through things. So, you know, I, I'm not sure if I'm answering that very, you know, in an articulate way. But, you know, I think you, you have to factor in risk, but you're not able to achieve buying, you know, a 60,000 acre cattle station plus our other outback properties plus my business unless you're prepared. To put yourself out there, and you know, I've had meetings, and I think it's also interesting when you talk about being a woman in business at that level. You know, I I had lots of discussions where the finance people would ring up and say, "Oh, you know, is your husband there? He needs to sign this." And then I'd have to point out to them, "Well, you know, in actuality, this is, you know, these are my properties that we're looking at leveraging as well." So it, it is a, I think there's a change in perspective about what it means to be a woman in business, and and again, that's why. You know, I think it's important to cha- change the narrative about what it means to be a woman in ag, and also around taking on risk. You know, I think there's a mindset that that having risk is a is is a negative, and I disagree. I think you've got to have an element of risk and really action that in a calculated way.
2: There's a real balance there, isn't there? I mean, that answer is phenomenal, by the way. But there's a real balance there between what you were describing before, is having that entrepreneurial mindset. Where I think you have sort of a more of an innate okayness, for want of a better word, with the idea of risk. And then there's that conventional way of running a business, as you've described, and those two things sort of merging together. On another element of business life and and growing a business, you are obviously running this business from your farm, which is fairly remote, how much importance do you put on digital networking then to connect all the dots and to to find your fellow businesswomen? And what would
1: you say is your favorite way of doing that? Look, uh, Lucy, it's hugely important. I think, as you said, because I live remotely, I think for me the way I've gone about it is to have virtual coffee dates. So I will have three coffee dates a week, and it might be you know just fifteen minutes, it might be half an hour, it might be an hour. But I think. It, it gives so much, it brings so much joy to me to be able to connect with people and to learn about their stories. And, and I think, you know, I try and do that with someone in my tribe, someone that I can collaborate with and someone that's seriously out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I always choose people that, you know, are, it's an audacious sort of thing. Like I'll go and choose someone on LinkedIn that I think, my goodness, there's no one will ever <laughs> respond to But inevitably they do. And I think the, the, the important part of that is about energy exchange it's about building our communities as as we have um very much with um, mum and koi so i think it's it's important to be able to nurture each other obviously i'd love to get dressed up in a frock and get out of my boots and and get out of a virtual headspace and, and go out and have lunch with people and actually see each other face to face is always really joyful um, but yeah i think getting to sydney that doesn't happen very often these days so Uh, Yeah, it's hugely important. And I I would encourage people, particularly if you're very shy, to understand that it's not, you might feel awkward in reaching out to someone digitally, but it is, it's no different to, you know, having a normal relationship and saying, hello, how are you? And offering, what can you offer that person um, unconditionally? And I think you'll find that it comes back to you twofold. Absolutely love it, and
2: I've taken notes there. I think that's a phenomenal approach—the three different types of people a week to
0: approach. So thank you so much for sharing that. I fondly support that too, because you know not only are you doing it for yourself, but I bet that you do it for other other women as well, um, Vanessa. You're this kind of consummate connector. We <laughs> um, you know that that's you know we we've had that passed to us. So once you've got that ethos, you know you know what richness that brings to your your business or your life or you know your your own personal journey so um, amazing love it now I on the, on the broad threes can you share three things that you do each week that inspire your ambition uh, nurtures your livelihood and protects your well-being sure Carrie well I think given that I do
1: um, some serious kilometers driving I'm very much a fan of podcasts. I do listen to an array of podcasts to encourage me to uh, level up, um, you know, look at different ways people are, are sort of conducting their business or there are a bunch of different podcasts that, that sort of drive my, my ambition. And in terms of nurturing my livelihood, I think this is a really big one for me and probably out of, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's important to, really prioritise um, important relationships in my life. So, you know, I'm doing that consistently every single day. I think that's really, really integral to, to how I work. Attacking the problem and not the person. Staying open-minded and non-judgmental because you never know what the other person on the other side of the fence is seeing or doing or experiencing. I think it's really imperative to follow through on commitments and to, to deliver value. So, you know, I'm always trying to, surprise and delight really be on the journey with people but try and over deliver where I can and and I think communicating candidly and honestly um so being really grateful every every day and then I think in terms of protecting my well-being it's it's a it's a something that I hold really dear to me is meditation and being really connected to to the earth and you know I am very fortunate to live on one of the most pristine rivers anywhere in the world so you know, I find it really therapeutic just to go and stand. And, and one thing that you'll find when you live in nature and you live remotely, in the city you go out to nature, but mm-hmm. in, when you live in the bush, nature comes to you. So if you stand still and you absorb that energy and you understand how connected we are and intuitively how important that is to connect with nature, and you know, it might be that I might see the platypus you know, coming in and out of their their house or their burrow in the water, or you know, you might see this huge big bull that's giving himself a big rub on one of our big old trees, or um, you might see a wedge-tailed eagle just soaring, or the white owls coming in to to pick up their their dinner. It's it's just about understanding that working with nature and having a ritual every single day, and for me, that's gratification of the people that are helping me and serving me in my life, and that I can then give back to having really clear intention of what it is that I do every day. And, you know, I think also part of what I do is mustering with my husband on horseback. And I think that brings me a huge sense of joy of just being on a horse and, and, you know, we might be mustering our wieners across the river and just seeing, you know, my eight year old son on horseback as if he were back in the 1800s. It's quite, Mm -hmm. quite remarkable. And we're very, we're very, we're very fortunate and privileged. And I feel that as a custodian on such land, we're on Biripi country. I firmly believe that I might have my name on the signature of owning that property, but I feel very strongly as a a white woman that I'm aware that I am purely there as a custodian on their behalf to try and protect that diversity and um, biodiversity
0: and and to do that with honour and spirit. You've got such clear boundaries and parameters that you work within, even though I know that you're you know, you have that sort of emotional connection as well, and what a brilliant workplace! I'm I'm actually <laughs> a, bit of a corporate building just today, but uh, I I want that workplace. What a gift! And the spirit of women supporting women, who are the ambitious, those that are unapologetically blending motherhood and ambition, that you would like to say hello to.
1: Oh, absolutely! Look, I admire so many amazing women in the Mums and Co community. A special shout out to Neva Reed from Artful Brand and Joyce Watts from Mel Hot or Not. Both of these women inspire me for different reasons. Both understand the importance of being visionaries and aligning with the right people to, to slingshot themselves forward. So yeah, I mean, there's so many people that I could could mention, but um, but yeah, I just really wanted to mention Neva and Joyce. Vanessa,
2: thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And if you'd like to find out more about Vanessa and the incredible work she's doing, you can head to her new website, which is vanessabell.com, or you can follow her on Instagram, at fashion farmer And if you haven't already, please come and join the thousands of business-owning women just like you at mumsandco.com.au. Do you have your, a favourite animal on your
1: farm? <laughs> yes, at the moment we do. We have a baby dingo pup oh. and she is beautiful. Um she has been a little bit sick. So we've had her at the vet all week, but I am picking her up this afternoon. Um and it's like having a baby lion. She's um you know, dingo, I think dingo's get a very bad bad rap. Um but uh but she's just beautiful and you know, it's hard to choose. I mean, we've got we've got lots and lots of different animals that we we spend a lot of time with. We love all our horses as well. We've got um, you know, my my old horse, Chad, is a beautiful, very sensible stock horse. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely Bear. We've called her Bear. She's she wins hand, hands down at the moment. She's just so cute and beautiful. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Um, you know, thank you very much for including me today.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mumbition, the podcast by Mums & Co. Head over to the show notes now for anything you might have missed. Mums & Co is Australia's most caring business network for women. To find out more about our Mums & Co membership, visit mumsandco.com.au. This podcast was produced by Lucy Kippist and edited by the wonderful Morgan Sebastian Brown of Brown Tree Productions and co-hosted by Kerry Kwan co-founder of Mums & Co, and Lucy Kiffist, our community manager. We'd love your feedback, so please rate, review, and share Mumbition so that we can reach more business-owning mothers and their co just like you.